0: Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the wokest of them all? <laughs> you are now listening to the African Growth Opportunities Podcast. I'm your host, Udocho KK. And on this episode, I'm going to be talking about um, the Little Mermaid you know, the, uh, Disney's under the sea, but I want to talk about it in relation to the immigrant experience. And I might be taking a, um, I might be taking a perspective that is a little bit unexpected to you. So t- to sit back and relax. I'm actually going to be talking about the Hans Christian Anderson version of the little mermaid. Some of you may know about it. Some of you may not. The Hans Christian Andersen um, Little Mermaid is actually what the what the Disney's The Little Mermaid is based on. Um, so I'm not talking about Disney's The Little Mermaid, except in a particular standpoint. So the I uh, first the Disney's Little Mermaid. Let me first tell you my premise. My premise is that if you want to know what it's like to be an immigrant in America, especially an African immigrant in America read Hans Christian Andersen's the, uh, the Little Mermaid. If you want to know what it's like to be a white woman in America, read watch Disney's The Little Mermaid. Um, and there's and that's how that's my premise of this episode. And I'm gonna now go into explain why. Uh, I'm not, you are you most of you have already seen Disney's The Little Mermaid. Um, I'm I'm gonna expound on my 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 um the way I'm thinking about Disney's the Little Mermaid um and what as it relates to the white female experience in America. I'm gonna expound on that towards the end of this podcast. But for now, let me talk about Hans Christian Andersen's Little Mermaid because some of you may not be as familiar with that particular tale. Um, I'm just gonna read the plot summary, which is um from Wikipedia. So sit back, relax. Um so the Little Mermaid in Plot in Hans Christian Andersen's story lives in an underwater kingdom with her widowed father, the sea king or merking, her dowager grandmother, and her five older sisters, each of whom have, bo- were, have been born one year apart. When a mermaid turns 15, she is permitted to swim to the surface for the first time to glimpse the world above. And when the sisters become old enough, each of them visits the upper world one at a time every year. As each returns, the Little Mermaid listens longingly to their various descriptions of the world inhabited by human beings. When the, little mermaid turns come, when the Little Mermaid's turn comes, she rises up to the surface, watches a birthday celebration being held on a ship in honor of a handsome prince, and falls in love with him from a safe distance. A violent storm hits sinking the ship and the little mermaid saves the prince from drowning. She delivers him unconscious to the shore near a temple. Here, she waits until a young woman from the temple and her ladies-in-waiting find him. To her dismay, the prince never sees the little mermaid or even realizes that it was she who had originally saved his life. The little mermaid becomes melancholic and asks her grandmother if humans can live forever. The grandmother explains that humans have a much shorter lifespan than a mermaid's 300 years but that when mermaids die they turn to sea foam and cease to exist while humans have an eternal soul that lives on in heaven. The little mermaid longing for the prince and an eternal soul visits the sea witch in a dangerous part of the ocean the witch willingly helps her by selling her a potion that gives her legs in exchange for her tongue and a beautiful voice uh, in exchange for her tongue and beautiful voice as the little mermaid has the most enchanting voice in the world the witch warns the little mermaid that once she becomes a human she will never be able to return to the sea Consuming the potion will make her feel as if a sword is being passed through her body, yet when she recovers, she will have two human legs and will be able to dance like no human has ever danced before. However, she will constantly feel as if she is walking on sharp knives, and her feet will bleed terribly. In addition, she will obtain a soul only if she wins the love of her prince and marries him. For then, a part of her soul, his soul, will flow into her. Otherwise, at dawn, on the first day after he marries someone, the little mermaid will die with a broken heart and dissolve into sea foam upon the waves. After she agrees to the arrangement, the little mermaid swims to the surface near the prince's palace and drinks the potion she is found by the prince who is mesmerized by her beauty and grace, even though she is mute. Most of all, he likes to see her dance, and she dances for him despite suffering excruciating pain with every step. Soon, the little mermaid becomes the prince's favorite companion and accompanies him on many of his outings. When the prince's parents encourage her son to marry the neighboring princess in an arranged marriage, the prince tells the little mermaid he will not because he does not love the princess. He goes on to say he can only love the young woman from the temple who he believes rescued him. It turns out the princess from the neighboring kingdom is the temple girl as she was sent to the temple for her education. The prince declares his love for her and the royal wedding is announced at once. The prince and princess celebrate their new marriage on a wedding ship and the little mermaid's heart breaks. She thinks of all that she has sacrificed and all the pain she has endured for the prince. She despairs thinking of the death that awaits her but before dawn her sisters rise out of the water and, be, and bring her a knife that the sea witch has given them in exchange for their long, beautiful hair. If the little mermaid kills the prince and lets his blood drip on her feet, she will become a mermaid once more, all of her suffering will end, and she will live out her full life in the ocean with her family. However, the little mermaid cannot bring herself to kill the sleeping prince with her new with his new bride, and she throws the knife and herself off the ship into the water just as dawn breaks. Her body dissolves into foam, but instead of ceasing to exist, she feels the warm sun and discovers that she has turned into a luminous and ethereal earthbound spirit, a daughter of the air. As the little mermaid ascends into the atmosphere, she is greeted by the other daughters who tell her she has become like them because she strove with all her heart to obtain an immortal soul. Because of her selflessness, she is given the chance to earn her own soul by doing good deeds for mankind for 300 years and will one day rise up into the kingdom of God. Now, that is Hans Christian Andersen's Little Mermaid. And if you're familiar with Disney's Little Mermaid, it is very different from Disney's Little Mermaid. Excuse me, I'm going to take a drink. I had to sip some water. My mouth is very dry. Now, Hans Christian Andersen's Little Mermaid was written in 1837. The Little Mermaid cartoon movie was made in 1989. The one where they're singing under the sea. Um, there's all happy and for children. Um, so what are we what am I trying to say about this? So I I I would like to propose that Hans Christian Andersen's Little Mermaid is more uh, more similar to the immigrant story the american immigrant story than um than disney's the little mermaid i believe disney's the little mermaid might be the story of a white woman in america while hans christian andersen's little mermaid is a story of immigrants especially african immigrants or dark-skinned immigrants in america and i will say this and i'm and i'm and i'm saying this and I'm going to now expound on what I mean by that. When immigrants come to America, they, it is not an easy experience for them. Um, you know, we often see the token immigrants that are elevated to, um, as, as as the exemplars of the society by, um, as, as exemplars of the society, as what everyone should be striving towards we often see these people um, heralded as, the, as as what we should be all striving towards. Um, that if an, um, if an immigrant from some cornfield somewhere or other can rise to be a doctor in America, then everybody, anything is possible for everybody. And it's a very um, deceiving um, and myopic um, way thing to say um not because immigrants are any less capable of rising through the ranks than anybody else but more so because immigrants are coming from a completely different world their whole every their culture their community the people that they're around the way of life when they leave home when they leave their homeland uh, whether it's Africa, South America, Austria, you know, wherever the case may be, if they're dark-skinned immigrants, their whole way of interacting with the world was different. Usually their way of interacting the, with the world was based on a system of, by which the dark, dark other dark-skinned people were the ones that were leading the way that they lived their lives. So when they leave that environment, there's a lot of adjusting that they have to go through in order to um, in order to it's like they have to pass through the fire before they're even considered a human being in this culture. Um, So they have to relearn even the way that they eat, the way they interact with the world. A lot of the things that are um, that are um, second nature to us because we grew up in an environment where there was a lot of different things you know, the education is different. Not, not completely different, but it's, it's largely different. Um, the type of things that we interact, the type of tools we use, um, our, our problems are different. Um, so because of that fact, people in immigrant communities oftentimes um, have to relearn a lot of things that are second nature to those people who grew up in America. And sometimes some of those new skills it doesn't just boil down to science and technology and overcoming superstition it can actually be something as simple as um there was a person who i mean this is not as common anymore but there is a person who once told me that there were certain things like vacuum cleaners and fountain uh fountain sodas that were difficult for an african for for they're African, for example, if they adopted somebody from Africa or they brought somebody over from Africa, that person would often find it very like, wow, like be amazed and confused by certain types of things, indoor plumbing. And these are things that I've heard in the past. This is not something that just, you know, uh, it's probably as contemporary because there's, there are places in Africa where these things are still, you know, weird and new, but there are also places in Africa where they're bringing a lot of more like um, uh, foreign imports and, uh, businesses that are, that are, that have the model of, for, uh, the model of how it's done in, in the West and in other developed, uh, not, I don't even like to use the word developed, but other, uh, more, I, I think we need a new word, not developed for, um, for, uh, the West, for the uh, West and other nations that have, um, like, I don't know all these technological, like you know, things that are around them. I don't really like the word "develop" because it's very misleading, and it makes people think that the West and these countries that have fountain drinks and vacuum cleaners is what to aspire towards. Not to say that it's not something to aspire towards, as far as like you know, creating a system around yourself that is um, useful to you. But it is to a degree in a sense that um, if you're going to develop something, you have to develop it, something that's useful to you. But the way people are approaching Africa right now is that they're doing this cookie cutter approach where they just take things from the West and all these other nations that we call developed and try to force them into that where it doesn't work. People are literally, uh, there's deforestation happening in a lot of places, the types of plants like... Everyone in the world can't eat hamburgers and hot dogs. Like, that's not even a healthy food. The foods that are indigenous in those communities need to be preserved and need to be um, given given room to to grow. But that's another topic for another day. Basically, um, what I'm trying to say about the immigrant struggle in America is in the story Hans Christian Andersen, The Little Mermaid, we see that The Little Mermaid uh, pretty much gave up Everything that was who she was in order to this in order to live this marriage to this prince and um including her feet being um her 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 big you know fin being taken away and her pimp, her feet like her feet will be in pain and so she's literally like this and and she's mute and all these things like that so she and she she helped this prince meanwhile this prince has no idea. That she is struggling, that she's going through all of this without him knowing, without even being able to express what she's feeling, without even being able to express how difficult it is for her to be a part of her his world, um, and that he's she's doing all this to marry him. She is mute. She can't explain to him. I was the one that saved you. It was me. I helped you, and I should. You know, I deserve this this thing. She can't even express that. Her feet are pinpricks and she's here dancing for him and he doesn't know how like he thinks it's just a common everyday woman dancing for him and he's enjoying her dance and her company but she doesn't he doesn't know that this woman is actually taking her, her a lot to do something that is not natural to her and so I really feel like this is similar to the immigrant experience here in America that a lot of times we don't know what people are struggling to do just to be a part of our world we laugh at immigrant accents without acknowledging that these immigrants are going out of their way to learn our language something that we take for granted and are even like memorizing our language and trying to like uh say it in a way that we understand oftentimes we make fun of their efforts um and laugh at them because they can't pronounce certain things well. And oftentimes the fact that they can't pronounce it, it's not 100% due to um, just some way that their brain is kind of confused. I actually believe that sometimes it's just like, they're just trying to make the sounds and they associate it. They associate the sounds with the word. They're literally associating the sound with the idea, but they're like not, it's, it's hard to explain what I think is happening there, but I think it's, they're trying to associate the sound according to their own, um, their own conceptualization of what that sound like. They're making different associ. their brain is literally associating the words that they're saying differently. Like it, the encoding is completely different from the way a native speaker who's been speaking it since they were like three years old, um the encoding of the language is completely different. And this has been shown in neuroscience in brain scans, where, if you look at where the, uh, immer- where like somebody who's not a native speaker of a language, the way that they learn the language, when they're speaking, the words are coming from a different part of their brain than when someone who is a native speaker of that language is speaking, it's like, it's more ingrained in that native speaker. So they're not really thinking twice. When they are saying the words, when they're expressing in that language, but when someone is speaking it as their second language, they are expressing. It's like they're they're trying. They almost they have to translate, and then they have to try to say it. And that whole process. And then at the end of the day, they have to say it, and their 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 mouth is saying it using their native understanding of things with like with the accent and everything. So we have to really take this into consideration when we're dealing with immigrants. They're struggling. They're out here mermaiding for us, little mermaiding for us. And people are are just taking it for granted, not trying to enter their world, not trying to understand where they're coming from. And I really, um, and it's, and, it's, and if we don't, and then people question why are people angry? Why do people, you know, why do, why do uh, people say Americans are this, Americans are that? But it's like, this is this experience of people all around us, not just in America, also in Europe and other places in the world where people come to your country and you've never seen anybody like that before. And all of a sudden you just make fun of them for the being different. And people want to, people are like, we have to get rid of political correctness. We have to do this, we have to do that. And it's like political correctness actually has a very important space because it allows allows a sense of dignity. It allows a sense of humanity it allows for us to actually be able to sympathize with other people. Like when we literally hate other people, when we literally discard another person's, parts of another person's humanity, and say this person is not worthy because of they, they did not meet up in some way, then if there's a part of you that kills the part of yourself that is worthy of that same sympathy. And so you start to beat yourself up for lack of perfection when time comes to you. Unless you're a complete sociopath and psychopath, then you're just like, well, everybody is trash and I deserve all the good things. And that's not a human. That's not the human way to do things. But that's another story altogether. My point is that as we see in this story, um, there's a very complex story there. I've talked already about the sacrifices that an immigrant who comes to America has to make. But I I don't want to completely dissolve immigrants from any fault because, as you can see, the Little Mermaid made the decision that she wanted to go through all that process. Oftentimes, immigrants go through leaps and bounds just to get onto American soil, the way that um, the Little Mermaid made a pact with this witch um, in order for her to be able to even have the legs that are painful that will allow her to be in the... um, a part of the human world. And so, uh, but we also see that she became fantasizing about the human world um, and, you know, trying to have a soul from stories that other people told her about that world. So her sisters came back after seeing the surface, seeing the uh, human world, and were telling her all these fantastical stories about what it was like up there. And her sister told her these stories. Uh, people were telling her that, oh, humans live forever because they have souls. Um, so they don't really live forever, but their souls go to heaven and stuff like that. So this, these are the things that the Little Mermaid now took with her in her heart to make her want something that she had never experienced. And that's a human thing. Like, everybody really does that. All of our desires, all of our wants... Tend to come from the desire for something we've never experienced. Like until we have it, we'll continue to desire it and want it. it. Even when it comes, even as something as little as cravings, like wanting to eat a sandwich. Uh, it, it's like it, uh, t- even though you know what it tastes like, it's like the it's the memory of the taste of the sandwich that drives you to want to make a sandwich and eat it. And another person, like but the, before that, a person told you. This sandwich is delicious. You should try it. Just like with restaurants, that's why they advertise to you and things like that. They tell you, this thing is wonderful. You should try it. And then that's the thing that now makes you to go out of your way to make it or to bring money out of your pocket to buy it or whatever. Before you even did it for the first time, somebody was like, this is great. You should try it. So that's what the Little Mermaid did. She heard these stories she was unsettled. She could never like really let go of these stories. And so she decided, let me go. And I feel like that's what's happening a lot now in the developing world. People leave America. They see all the, the things that are developed. They see good roads. They see indoor plumbing. They see uh, consistent le- electricity. And they're like, that looks amazing. Um, let me go and tell my brothers and sisters that we need this where we come from. And so they go back to their countries and they're like, Hey guys, these people have all this stuff and we are missing out. And so because usually the governments in those areas are very, um, shady, corrupt, um, are unwilling to see, uh, a new way or unable to like imagine a new way of doing things, they end up um, they, 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 they're, it's difficult for their own people to build something new. It's difficult for their own people who are on the ground to actually build something that is similar or, um, similar to what's happening in, in, um, in what, from uh, what they see in America. So when we see these types of, uh, th- th- these types of, um, when we see these types of, what's the word, like, uh, dynamics playing out in, in the, in the real world, um, with, with Africans and they go over there. Like I personally remember when I was, um, a teenager, I was sent to, uh, to Nigeria to, um, to live with my, my father's family, my father's sister and her children and, and, and my, my, my cousins in Nigeria. So I was sent there and I was very confused about the way things were and everything like that. Then ultimately, they, um, they even though they embraced me and they, you know, they were friends, we, were, we, we, we loved each other, uh, we, 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 it, it was clear that I represented, me and my family, as people who came from America represented something to them. And a big part of what we represented to them was this other world. The representation of this other world where things were better where the streets were paved with gold metaphorically speaking um and water was running and le- electricity which they did not have consistently in nigeria so with that with with those types of uh, odds against you um there is a uh there's a challenge there's a challenge that they face uh and so it, if, if it seems like nothing is changing they now begin to leave. And now you see the problem in Africa where people, like, people are seeing the Western world. They're seeing through Facebook. They're seeing through their relatives who travel, go, and come back. They're seeing through all these dynamics, wow, we are not in the best situation. This is not like, there's something better out there and we need to get that. And because their governments are not allowing them to do it effectively, they are like, we gotta go. So, like you're seeing this mass exodus out of Africa, that is a lot of, I mean, obviously it's not all of Africa that's leaving, but there's a large number in the hundreds, daily in the hundreds, leaving Western sub Saharan Africa to try to get to European countries, to try to get to Asian countries, to try to get to America. And they're literally shipping themselves in boxes. They're, 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 getting inside of boats. They're doing all kinds of things, trying to sneak across borders. And you're seeing it in South America too, um, in Mexico and stuff like that. These people are trying to get to this place, looking for a better life, hoping that somebody will pass them a little bit of change, some money, some, you know, uh, a place to live, whatever. They're, they're over here doing their best to get to this better world. Even if when it means sacrificing dang near their lives, they're doing all this stuff. So you're seeing this dynamic that's literally in my mind the same as this Hans Christian Andersen version of the Little Mermaid where they're basing that desire on what they're seeing because the desire first comes from you seeing or hearing about what is better and then you now start pursuing that thing against not only all odds but against your natural instinct which probably if you had never heard of that place you would have been you would have been satisfied with what you had. You would have figured, you know, you would have tried to do your best where you are with what you have. But now you're going over here uh, with a desire for the unknown. And I think that that's a very, it's a very, uh, it's a problem, it's a dualistic thing. It's like the yin and the yang. It's the darkness and the light. It's the good and the evil. Like, yes, they're going for this thing that they've been told and it could be truth, like this is a better thing, like you will live forever, your your soul will go on to live in heaven and you will be in the kingdom of God. You will, you know, all these things, they are very beautiful truths that people are telling you, but at the end of the day, you're emotionally tied, at the end of the day, what is real what you know you're you're sacrificing and giving away what you know. Even though what you know is good and is good enough, you want what you don't know. You want what you've heard is good. You want what you've heard is better. And so you start pursuing that thing. And so that is what Ariel, um, or I don't know what the, the mermaid's name is in the in Christian Anderson book, that is what she did. And that, I believe, is the immigrant story in a nutshell. I believe it's also the Black American story. I believe any minority in, in, um, in America, it's their story because they're constantly jumping through hoops. They want to, especially if their, des- their desire, if they decide in their heart that I want to like, rise to the ranks, I want to become the richest person in whatever, um, or they try to pursue the American dream. They are literally giving up a lot. And they can never go back, that's the big thing. They can never go back. they give up their culture, they give up their language, they give up so much stuff, and they can never go back, just like Hans Christian Anderson's the little mermaid if they the witch told her you cannot go back to the sea, you cannot get your legs back and so at the end of the day, when she realizes that she can't get her legs back uh she's pretty that's like pretty much a firm decision, like cut it all off, like I am going, no turning back and then all that suffering is like you have to keep going you have to keep going when you come to america when you leave like third world countries or developing nations you can't go back you can go back and visit and but even if you go back and visit you still have to give tokens like you know things to people in that world to, to tell them hey i come and you know it, it's like it, it is a good it's a good thing it's like subconsciously it's like this is just something i'm giving you as a gift but really, reality, you're buying your safety. You're like, hey, guys, um, look what I got from over there. Um, you rem- you're here buying your safety. You're making promises. There's a reason you're doing all those things. At least that's what I believe. I don't think you just give things to people in the developing world. It's like almost buying your safety because at the end of the day, um, you're no longer one of them. Like you're speaking a whole different language. They are not understanding you, especially. And your kids, forget about it. Like if you left the third, if you left the developing world, I'm gonna just call it the developing world just to not confuse myself or you. Um, if you left the developing world and you think that one day your kids are gonna go back and reclaim your land or reclaim anything that you left over there, forget about it. Unless you were able to make billions of dollars in the in the in the um, new world and came back. And we're like, let me use these billions of dollars to like develop a whole bunch of stuff, which most likely will not happen. Like 99.9999999, almost 100% sure that you are not about to make a billion dollars in the new world and go back and develop your country. The best, your best bet will be if your country is like China, where China was literally sending people to the developed world to learn stuff and come back to China and de- and help China develop. Like with their with that information, that is your best bet. Like, but if your country is not doing that, you're leaving to leave. And when your kids, when you when you have kids, those kids are going to be a part of that country. You just forget about your other country. So I believe that's what's happening in Africa a lot. Like these African immigrants are not planning to go back to another world, which is another reason why it's important for us to be sensitive to immigrants in in um, America, immigrants in Um, immigrants in America, immigrants in um, other European countries and stuff like that, because you're treating them like they're these foreigners. But at the end of the day, it's like, these are people who gave up a lot, sacrificed a freaking lot just to, and they can't even explain to you how much they've sacrificed just to be amongst you and just to do the hard, beautiful, good work that they're doing for you. They can't even express it and you're just... just like just ignoring their struggles so um that's how i believe hans christian Andersen's the little mermaid is very similar to the immigrant story if that's the tale of the immigrant story in a metaphorically speaking now the little mermaid the disney little mermaid in my opinion and i'm gonna try to keep this part short because i'm not here to talk about white women uh but it's it's more so the story of white women in america if you, uh, if you remember in the Little Mermaid cartoon movie, it's all happy-go-lucky, there's fish singing, there's, you know, crab singing, everybody, she's like, "I want to be part of your world." And then in the end she is. <laughs> and then in the end, she gets there. So that's the big thing, like she, she's dreaming of a better, something good and something wonderful happening one day. She goes through some hoops. Yes, some of it is traumatizing because she loses her ability to speak. She gets on the ground. She has her legs. She loses the ability to speak. But then as all, all, the only thing left is for the, the, if the prince gives her a kiss, then she will rise to, she will become, she, they will get married. She'll be able, be able to talk again. She'll be able to sing again like she did in the ocean and they'll be able to, they'll get married. Okay. One more thing happened. The fish and the sea and everything around her was helping her. Like when she, when she couldn't speak, the, uh, the fish and the crocodiles and stuff were singing, you better kiss the girl, encouraging the prince, kiss this woman so that she could, so everything was helping her. Um, and at the end of the day, even though I didn't think they kissed at that moment, later on down the line, everything worked out. They kissed, they got married. She got everything she wanted, how, whether or not they looked happily ever after, We don't know. It's a Disney movie. You never know. You just know that the person got what they wanted all along. And I really believe that this is the story of white women. It doesn't, like, forget about happily ever after. Forget about whether once they got married, he turned out to be a jerk. They had kids. The kids were annoying. Blah, 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 blah. Don't worry about that for now. Let's focus on, you put something in your mind, I am going to get this thing. My prize is this thing. Whether it's the prince, whether it's to become the CEO, whether it's to become whatever, you put it in your mind and you go for it and then the entire universe conspires to help you with it. This is why uh, minorities, blacks and you know, are so skeptical because at the end of the day, they probably grew up watching things like the Disney's The Little Mermaid. They probably grew up watching all this Disney stuff and thought that things are gonna work out, that when they desire to do something, all they have to do is put their whole mind to it and eventually it will work out for them and so they become very audacious and go for it and so um ultimately that's that's kind of what uh what happened um uh, with with um with with uh the Disney's little mermaid ariel put it out there she was like i want to I want to become, I want to marry this guy. I saw him and I was singing and he was handsome and I liked him and I want him. And then this, the the witch was like, oh yeah, here's the obstacle that's going to come to you. You're going to lose your voice and whatever. And if you don't, then you're going to die or whatever. And she was like, all right, I'm going to go for it. You know? And so she drinks this thing and she can't speak. And she's, and so she's like, the worst emotion she felt is sad. You know, it's not pain. It's not, It's sad. And then it's like, okay, maybe it was, it may have been painful for her to lose her spins and, and get legs or whatever, sure. But it really was not as bad as what was going on in Hans Christian Andersen's story. And she had less to lose, she had less to lose, um, and she, you know, she had everybody conspiring with her, trying to help her, and... Except for, you know, The Witch or whatever. But The Witch is a bad guy. to Disney movie. You know, it's not going to be that bad. And she's got people singing and everything like that. And so it's... I'm not saying that white women have it so easy. That it's easy to be a white woman. But I'm saying, if you're comparing apples to, or apples, to apples, apples to freaking apples, you're going to see that the immigrant apple has a lot more spoilage than the apple of a white female. And yes, the hurdle that she has to leap in order to become quote unquote equal with white men is less. You also have to consider that men and women are just in, like, this is my opinion, and uh, they're inherently, inherently different in many as in many respects. So I don't think the conversation about men and women being equal is a fair conversation. Because in general, people are, not, uh, people are different in many respects. But when we start talking about the quality of life differences, white women and white men are a lot c- closer to each other when it comes to quality of life issues than anybody else is, even reaches them. And they're at the top of the food chain when it comes to quality of life issues. So, um, So I don't think there's any comparison when it comes to the immigrant story and the white female story there's literally no comparison and so um so when i say no comparison i mean white women cannot claim to have the same problems in my book that immigrants and black people have in america um so that's why i give them disney's little mermaid yes there are problems yes there are difficulties but there's generally, usually someone there that's going to help you figure it out. There's usually someone there that's gonna wipe your tears when you're sad. There's usually, generally someone there that's going to marry you at the end of the day and be like, oh, I understand your problems. Or, you know, all those things. Like, there's times when Africans and, and black people go to the university, and they there's the, there's this... The reason why you see blacks who are like, just zooming through, through things is because in their minds, they're like, nobody's helping me. I have to do this. I have to make it. Like, if I don't make it, I'm literally going to turn into freaking seafoam. Like, that is how the immigrant mentality is when they get it. So they're like running the race. They're like They're like running the pace of a sprint, but they have to run a marathon. So they're like sprinting through a marathon, essentially. That's what the immigrant and African-American experience is in, in a lot of the Western world. So, so, but, but for the white woman, it's like, Oh gosh, this is so hard. And then she'll now like cry. And then all the, you know, the, the crabs and the lobsters and crustaceans will come and start singing for her. And then finally they'll be like, okay. The white men will be like, okay, let's help our, let's help this woman out or whatever. And it's not always that easy, that straightforward or whatever. But I just feel like the emotional toil that these types of things have on um, people is different. It's different. And although sometimes, you know, oftentimes Africans do stick together a lot more than uh, black Americans, for example, or other immigrants communities stick together a lot more than black Americans do. There is that also where these people are helping each other, but the but but by virtue of the fact that these people are often not in positions of power, even though that's changing a little bit now, um, oftentimes the fact that these communities don't have people in positions of power to actually pull them through and help them achieve what they want to achieve, um, sometimes you see them kind of uh, stagnating at a certain level of success. So... I'm going to end it here because I feel like I've gone on and on and I feel like I've, I've, I have effectively elaborated, I've effectively explained my viewpoint about Hans Christian Andersen, uh, Little Mermaid versus Disney Little Mermaid as it pertains to the immigrant experience, the Black experience, the dark-skinned immigrant experience, um, versus the white woman experience. And so I probably haven't said everything, but that's okay. I think the great thing for you to do now is to continue the conversation. Um, you can you can talk. You can tweet me on Twitter at at igbolectures.com. That's at igbolectures.com, or you can uh, find me on Facebook. Join the Ikenga Nation um, Facebook group. That's I K E N G A Ikenga Nation Facebook group, um, and just just check out what what I'm doing there. And, uh, you, I'm generally active on both platforms and I will, if you have a question about this particular podcast, reference this podcast, talk about it, and I will be sure to, uh, respond to you. I'll be, I love talking about the things that I'm interested in. So, um, if you are interested in this podcast, hop on one of those platforms, tell me what you think. I will happily, when I see your message, engage with you on that topic. All right. So as always, blossom where you're planted. Peace.